Hey everybody, happy February. Doug here, one of the host producers and creators of the John Irvin Light Podcast, bringing you a new segment of the show, The Producer's Playbill. As you already know, we had the full episode of John Irvin Light Podcast, we had the review roundup episode sometimes, but now I'm bringing you all The Producer's Playbill, kind of like a bit of an audio newsletter, kind of like bonus content that like, they, they kind of on the, on the cutting room floor of uh, the normal episode of the podcast, so kind of like the deleted scenes you would say of like a DVD or Blu-ray uh, disc. But again, I'm very stoked to bring this new segment to you all. Uh, this week I'm going to be talking about the Oscars and kind of just a lot of stuff I didn't get to cover last week's on uh, last week's episode of the John Irvin Life Podcast. So I hope you enjoy this new segment of the show. I'm super stoked to talk about kind of just like ramble on about certain stuff that. I've been kind of thinking about a lot in terms of like entertainment, Oscars, you know, the whole shebang. So, again, very excited. I hope you enjoyed this segment, like I said. And as always, guys, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, and now I believe it's called YouTube Music, which I believe is the new Google Podcast home, I believe. We also have a full audio show on our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Midway Avenue Productions. I know we're still working on the video element of the podcast. Hopefully by spring if not maybe by summer so look out for that but again seriously as always guys seriously the support the you guys have shown us the past year and a half has been just so rewarding so humbling so again as always don't forget to subscribe share like review please review please rate that will, that means the world to us we love hearing your feedback both good or negative or neutral we'll take it but seriously thank you so much for the ongoing support it truly means the world to us all at the podcast and the show so thank you guys so much all right guys like i said this is the first episode of the producers playable Again, super excited to talk about my Oscar stuff, kind of just like my thoughts and stuff like that here and there. Uh, you know, it was announced last week that we had the Oscars 2024 were announced, so like the nomination stuff like that. And you know what? I've the past couple of years, I don't know, I definitely have not been as interested in award shows the way I used to as a kid. You know, I remember watching them with like my parents and my grandmother and just, you know, just kind of just like excited to watch like who's going to host who, like Hugh Jackman's going to host this or it's going to be... Um, Seth MacFarlane or, you know, Charlize, uh, not Charlize Theron, um, Ellen DeGeneres is just like, they had a really great, a lot of great act, uh, host, um, Chris Rock, you know, Billy Crystal, you know, this goes on and on. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that like I've been as excited for the Oscars the way I used to be as a kid or even like, I would say 10 years ago, maybe as a teenager, like before college. So there's a lot I'm kind of just excited for, obviously, but you know, as the years go on, I feel like a lot of the movies that I just love are not getting recognized by the awards at all. Golden Globes, anything, SAG, you know, Oscars. So I see myself kind of leaning towards a way more of movies that I don't get recognized as much by like kind of the mainstream award shows. So, you know, the first thing what I saw last week was, okay, I think I've seen most of the Best Picture nominees of this year. I'm going to pull them up right here too so we can go over them as I speak to you guys. Um, and a lot of surprises for sure. A lot of things I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of figured. Um, but I think the, a lot of things that I've noticed too is just like there's a lot of movies that just kind of go under the radar for me, like Anatomy of a Fall or um, Zone of Interest that I'm not familiar with. But, you know, I hopefully you can catch up on those before uh, the, the, award, the show itself. So let's see, best picture right here. American Fiction, which I heard is amazing, but very limited release here in Phoenix. Not even a fall. I was hearing things about it. I was hearing sort of things about it, but not too familiar with it. Barbie, obviously. Um, I love the holdovers, which I absolutely loved. Uh, Kills of the Flower Moon, which, as you probably heard in my review, not my favorite Leo or DiCaprio, uh, Leo or De Niro or Scorsese movie, personally. 
I still haven't seen Maestro. I'm beating myself up over that. You know, I love Bradley Cooper so much. I just, oh, I love, um, I love uh, Stars Burn, Stars Born so much too. So I've not seen that. I might go see in theaters. I think it might be coming back for like the award circuit thing. So I might kind of just wait, not watch on Netflix and go see on the big screen. So look out for that. Oppenheimer, as you all probably heard too, that was in all of our top tens. Myself, Moses, Nick, and Joel. Great movie. Saw it twice in IMAX. Worth seeing in IMAX if you can still, still see in the 143 uh, aspect ratio. Past Lives, not familiar with it, but I was hearing great things about it. I want to catch up on that. Uh, poor Things, I'm hearing amazing things from my friends and uh, you know, co-workers and colleagues and just people I follow in the, in the business. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully I can catch that before I leave theaters as well. But same thing, very limited release we got here in Phoenix for that movie. And again, Zone of Interest, not familiar with that movie at all. So... Again, got a lot, lot to catch up on before the award show, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Poor Things as well as Maestro, as well as American Fiction, too. hearing great things about that. So those will definitely be on my top of my list to check out before the award show, which I believe is March, Sunday, March 10th. All right. So again, I have, you know, I have some thoughts to that. That was the best picture stuff, but what's the one? I have my notes that I was like, you know what? At the hearing, the, at the hearing, like the nomination stuff, and I was like, huh, interesting. And uh, I was, Probably every every other podcast, every other film critic probably said they have a lot of probably a lot of thoughts and opinions as well. But you know, right off the bat, I'll say this: you know, Barbie liked a lot. I didn't love it; it wasn't in my top ten. But I know how impactful that movie is. Um, you know, it's again, it's 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 a lot of fun to watch. I enjoyed it for just kind of the the, the acting and the production design, just like the it was just again, it was a good summer blockbuster. I mean, also a lot more, lost a lot more to it as well. Uh, but I will say though, I really was surprised about Greta Gerwig not getting, not getting nomination uh, for best directing. Say what you want about the movie how, or however you feel about it. I do think that the how she was able to kind of capture that movie and it's like the you kind of see her as a filmmaker uh, has definitely uh, grown a lot since Lady Bird to Little Woman to this and any filmmaker Denis Villeneuve, Tarantino, Christopher Nolan, Spike Lee anyone you you like seeing progression you like seeing uh filmmakers kind of just evolve into their voice into their style and you know as someone who like loves lady bird who i really also really like little women a lot i definitely see her like really becomes like a great filmmaker and i, I again i think same with jordan peele jordan peele off the bat with um with uh get out and then with uh, us and then with nope which I, I love nope more and more when i watch it um so you definitely, I definitely have seen the evolution of her as a filmmaker, and I think that definitely surprising that she didn't even get a nomination. Get haven't seen Poor Things. Um, I, I thought you know Christopher Nolan's one of my top favorite filmmakers of all time, so I'm glad he got nominated as as he should have. But what was the directing? Let's see. Yeah, you know Poor Poor Things. I'm not seen. I'm not a big you know. I'm looking forward to seeing it, but again, I. I, saw, I, saw, I watched the favorite. I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie. I heard the lobster is very weird. Also, the killed of the sacred deer or whatever. So I don't know. He's not really my jam in terms of movies and filmmaking and kind of his style. It's very kind of just a little bizarre for me. But again, just hearing all the hype around poor things, I'm looking forward to seeing just because of that. I also love Emma Stone and Gerard Carmichael and Willem Dafoe. This goes on and on. Um, but one that I was surprised with was his zone of interest, which I really have no no knowledge about at all so i take what you will with that but i really i mean also anatomy of a fall too you know didn't really know much about it except for, except for like all the hype around it but not familiar with it at all uh, and again you know kills a, kills a flower moon 
as you probably know my earlier episodes of the podcast, Martin Scorsese, you know, I two of his movies are my top ten with Wolf of Wall Street as well as Goodfellas. I don't think this was his best direct best directed movie either. So I think I would have kept Christopher Nolan. I guess your I guess you would keep your Yorgos, but I don't know. I do think that she definitely deserved one of those uh spots because of like her against it, her evolution as a filmmaker, but also too that like this was a movie of the summer. Like this was the movie, right? Like right in front of Oppenheimer. Like everyone's talking about this movie. You know, this was a big deal when it was announced to the execution, to the development, to like the whole thing. So, I was very surprised that she wasn't nominated for that. Yeah, she nominated for a producer, obviously, because she produced the movie because it's best picture. But you know, I don't know. I I truly do think that she should have got a nomination because I think we have definitely seen her just really kind of just like evolve as a filmmaker from a low budget A24 to my tier to mid tier Sony pictures, little women remake to Barbie, which is a bigger budget studio movie. I, I think a nomination definitely was, was definitely snubbed of her. And I'll definitely stand by that uh, opinion uh, throughout the year. And, you know, one thing that I definitely noticed too, and I, th- and I've, I think go back and hear my Barbie review back in July Margaret Robbie is one of my favorite actresses of all actresses of all time. I think she's from my first time Wolf of Wall Street to I Tanya to Bombshell to you know Babylon. She got snubbed by Bat from Babylon too, but you know fantastic actress. She has yeah, I love her as Harley Quinn. I love Birds of Prey. Love the, love Suicide Squad. I I don't think Barbie was her best role. I, and I'll stand by that too. I don't I think that she got outshined by. America Ferrara, Ryan Gosling, obviously. So, although I love her as an actress, I don't think her performance was anything special. I mean, it, I mean, it definitely was like you know very. You can tell this is a big passion project for her. She produced it. She is the heart of the movie to a degree, uh, along with all the Barbies and all the Kens and you know Greta Gerwig. It's a lot. Everyone has the, everyone's heart is in that movie no matter what. So, I definitely was not too surprised by her not her not getting non- nominated. Because I think I've seen better performances from her. I thought her performance in Babylon is masterful, and that was overlooked in every aspect of the Academy Awards last year. The movie is phenomenal. Go back and watch it. Damien Chazelle kills it. I hope the movie gets more love as the year goes, years goes on because it's a very, very misunderstood and very slept-on movie. But I thought she was fantastic. So you know, I don't. I do think that. She wasn't the strongest thing about Barbie, but again, also got a nomination for, as a producer because she goes de- for Best Picture because she produced the movie. So you know, I, I wasn't too upset about that. I was definitely more upset. I was really more bummed about Greta Gerwig not getting a film a, a, a directing nomination. So you know, that's my thought. One thing I did notice too is that with the Greta Gerwig thing, I went back and I was like, wait a second, it's happened kind of recently too. When Dune came out in 2021, and you guys, you guys probably know, Denis Villeneuve, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, I idolize this guy, I admire this guy, you know, from Prisoners to Blade Runner, 2049 to uh, Sicario, Arrival, Dune, like this guy, just, I'm just I'm immersed by his, film, from his filmmaking, like, I remember seeing his first really kind of major movie, which was, uh, you know, Prisoners and High School, and I was just like, this, oh my god, I'm just like, I'm just mesmerized by this movie, this movie stuck with me for so many years. And you probably heard me talk about this all the time on the podcast that later on 24-9 changed my life. Changed how I saw movies, changed how I saw uh, cinematography, editing, sound design, score. It's the reason why I love IMAX even more. That was an experience like no other. So I went back and I was like, wait a second. In Dune in 2021, Dune got like 
all these nominations, like so many nominations, so many like great things, cinematography, editing, like literally everything, best picture, but he didn't get best director. And I was like, what? And I remember hearing another podcast, I think it was Real Blend with Kevin, Sean, and uh, Jake, and they were saying that this movie is incredibly directed, but massively directed, but really no director nomination. And I was like, it kind of feels like that. I mean, it's a little different, I understand, with Barbie and Dune. But I was like, yeah, they didn't reward Denis for a hell of a job he did on um, on Dune. And I was like, that's so weird. But I get it went back to, like, how did Argo win Best Picture and not Ben Affleck in, uh, you know, uh, director nomination? And, you know, despite Live By Night, I, I think Ben Affleck is also a great filmmaker from the town. Gone Be Be Gone, uh, Argo, and then to Air phenomenal filmmaker as well as well as an actor if you ask me so that was also kind of thing like wow they're they, they reward these movies but not the directors and i don't know what that is maybe it's more of like a deeper meaning be- behind all this but uh, it's weird it's definitely weird and i was like I, I guess we're going i guess we're doing this so it greta, greta snub definitely reminded me of denise thing uh again as again have also again they've nominated her for best director back with Lady Bird, you would she already she, she, you would think that she would hassle hassle kind of have that kind of weight of like, hey, I was nominated back in 27, 2018 for Lady Bird. I don't know I, I would have thought that she's already kind of like in the system in terms of best director nomination nominated for best director. You would think they'd give her you know let her kind of let her get get nomination again, but uh, you know it's. I don't know. Said, she definitely has progressed a lot as a filmmaker, leveled up as a filmmaker, and it's reminding me of that. Of like, wait, how did that not get? Uh, yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of beyond me. And I think it happened with Christopher Nolan too. I could be wrong. Let me see. I think I think Inception. I think Inception also. Same thing. Let's see. I don't know. Let's check. All right, Inception. That was like the movie of the year too. I mean, the summer. Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, same thing. Not not best get best writing, best original screenplay, best picture as a producer, but not best director. And I don't know what that is, but it must. This must. This must be a pattern or something that they just don't want to reward. They just don't want to reward their. I guess the reward of the filmmakers that you know bring these movies to life. But uh, I digress. What really bummed me out, I also think bummed out, you know, film Twitter was that why wasn't Iron Claw? Iron Claw got nothing. And you guys heard, I heard me rave about this movie. If you, if you haven't, if you're hearing the show for the first time, I, I love this movie. This movie was a big surprise to me, not, not being a wrestling fan, not, not really kind of sold by the trailers, not knowing the story. I was just, I was captured by this movie. I was just like in awe of this movie. I was still thinking, I'm still thinking about it like a month after seeing it. And I was just like, really? I thought Zach's performance got snubbed. Uh, I think he was overlooked in so many different categories, so many different ways. But nothing this just flat out surprised me. I think it deserved the best picture, cinematography, score, best acting, a lot of things. And that for them, that gave me anything just baffles me. Just baffles me. Zach Efron poured his heart and soul into this to this performance. And that just kind of struck me the wrong way. But it reminded me a lot of back in 2020, 2019, 2020, when Uncut Gems got nothing. And I said, really? And everyone's talking about how this is like Sandler's best performance. This is his turn as an actor. This is the one. Nothing. 
nothing. I remember like I remember like being in LA during that time too, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, what did Sandler got nothing?" That movie also got movie I love too. Uncut Gems got nothing. Safdie's got nothing, and I'm just like, "Lakeith Sandler got nothing," and I'm like, "There's so many great things about this movie." That got overlooked, and I was just again. It's happened. It's like another pattern of like these A twenty four movies that come and come out at the end of the year, kind of get nothing. And I just was really kind of bummed that Zach got nothing, but the movie itself got nothing too. But again, he said it reminded me a lot of how how upset I was when Uncut Gems that the Academy didn't give any recognition to Sandler or that movie whatsoever. And that's definitely Sandler's best performance as like an actor in his whole filmography. I love Big Daddy and I love Happy Gilmore, but like his turn in Uncut Gems is very remarkable. It's very just it's it's very it's very electrifying. So run me a lot, run, run me a lot of that. So yeah, bummed bummed about that too. So yeah, right. People were kind of saying like, oh, like Leo Leo got snubbed too. Leo got up the nomination. Okay, first off, Leo, who I like a lot, you know, one of the best actors of our of of the generation of his generation, obviously of our time, one of the last few movie stars. You heard my re- you heard my review. You didn't hear my review. I said it was very loud and clear. I thought this was his weakest performance. I thought he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street, not a Rev- not, not Revenant from Departed, Catch Me If You Can. I've seen Leo in so many more amazing movies and and perform in way better performances that him him not getting. A nomination for uh, Kill, Kills of the Flower Moon, not surprising whatsoever. I don't think he deserved it. I don't think it was his best performance. I thought it was very weak. I thought it was very uh, uninteresting. I thought it was very just not not his best work. And people were like, oh, what? Why he got so snubbed? I don't think, I think that was, I think that's how it should have been. I thought Lily Gladstone is the heart and soul of that movie. I thought she was phenomenal. I thought De Niro was even better. And DiCaprio at times, I didn't see anything special in that performance. That might be a little controversial. It might be a little kind of just like, wait, no, what, no way. Yeah, that's how I. That's how I saw it. That's, and that's that's how it. And that's how it is. I I'm not too butthurt about that. Uh, not, uh, that about that him being snubbed. I don't think he deserved it. I think again, I said I, I've seen him in way better stuff. Um, what really kind of bummed me out a lot, kind of similar to Iron Claw, was that Saltburn got nothing. And you know, Saltburn is a movie that gets yeah, it's, it's been taught. I mean. It's an original movie that's been so highly discussed and talked about. And I called this in my re- reaction when I saw it back in November. I said, this movie is going to have a ton of discourse. There's going to be so much discussion about it. People are talking about it, the way you leave the theater, the way you see it on streaming, you the way you kind of talk about it with your friends and you know, fellow moviegoers. And I was right. There's been so much discourse of that movie as soon as it came out on a wider release. And once it hit Amazon Prime last month, People were just talking about it nonstop, and I was like, I, I kind of called this, you know, I kind of predicted this in a lot of different ways. But this, that, that movie getting zero nominations also baffles me. I thought that at least that the movie Emerald Fennell's can get a best screen, best original screenplay because it's an original screenplay, theatrical theatrical release movie. Uh, you know, she's. She, I thought her writing was very top tier. It was very sharp. It reminded me a lot of like young Tarantino in terms of like Pulp Fiction and uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs, stuff like that. Like it was definitely kind of that, that, kind of just like the spirit of that. And again, she also won Best Screenplay for Promising Young Woman back in 2021. You, I would have thought that she was going to get nomination for, you know, kind of like, and you're kind of like in the legacy of it was, you're not, you won before. Might as well kind of get for the nomination as well. Nope, nothing. 
and that really caught me by surprise. I her my my top ten Saltburn was number nine, I believe. Love the movie. I know it's very polarizing. It's very divisive, but it worked for me in all in all different ways. Even the nasty stuff, even the kind of disturbing stuff, it just stuck with me. And I still two months later, that's something about that movie. Whenever I saw it, no, three months later now. And seeing all the all the kind of hype it caused around this on TikTok and on Instagram and Twitter or X whatever it's called now, it just it was a big it was a moment. And I don't it's what I saw on Twitter or X whatever too was that this person was this person was saying that like can we can we appreciate despite how you feel about the movie that an original movie like this is is making waves like people are talking about it like it's it was like it's almost like a moment. So for that game, no nomination, really kind of rubbed, rubbed me the wrong way as well. Um, and I also thought Rosamund Pike uh, was phenomenal and might be a little hot take or controversial was that, you know, Emily Blunt, who I admire, who I love. I love Emily Blunt. One of my favorite actresses of all time. I thought that Rosamund Pike gave a better performance as an actor in Saltburn that Emily Blunt did in Oppenheimer. I in Oppenheimer in Oppenheimer I thought that she was good, but I thought she was kinda of underutilized and was given a lot lot to lot to do. When she's in her scene, she's great, don't get me wrong. But what Rosamund Pike does to do when she has to kinda of like, you know, just express and what she's kinda of, who she is as a character and her and her kind of like mannerisms and her kind of like her ways was electrifying and it was very it was one of the best performances I've seen in a long all last year. And I, I, I would definitely give Rosamund Pike the the Oscar nom than Emily Blunt. And I love both these, both these actresses, but I thought Rosamund Pike just was truly phenomenal. And it kind of breaks my heart that that got nothing. Or she, or sorry, she got nothing. But yeah, it, it is what it is. And the one thing I'll say too is that you know I'm I'm not a documentary person as much. I'll walk it here, watch it here and there. But like for docu series and documentaries, you gotta really gotta like lure me in. You gotta pull me in. You gotta say, hey, what do I got for you? And I thought the David Holmes documentary was phenomenal. David Holmes, you don't know, he was uh, Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double on all the Harry Potter movies, and the on the last one, they're they're training for the last one. Accident happens, and unfortunately, David Holmes. Uh, accident happens on set and David Holmes is now paralyzed for the rest of his life uh, from uh, I think it was waist waist down but I think his arm is I think his, one of his arms is, is also now paralyzed it's a phenomenal documentary I was tearing up at times I was very emotional because I grew up with Harry Potter but not knowing this man's story and not knowing what happened was just was really shocked me and just stuck with me for stuck stuck with me since I saw it back in November and this movie this documentary is beautifully made it's a deep look into this man's life his why he wanted to be a stuntman his career his impact on Hollywood impact on the Harry Potter franchise and I think it, it deserves a lot more love and attention in general but his but David's journey but David's journey and the sheer commitment he had to the film industry it, it's it's remarkable and I think this movie this, the Academy did not give this movie a chance or not look more into it. I thought it was a phenomenal documentary. And it's a shame that's like any more love because it. I'm not going to not be a documentary person. I would recommend this to anyone. If you're not a Harry Potter fan, not a movie fan, I don't care. It's worth the watch in general. So please see this movie. You've seen it. It's on HBO. It's on Max. Watch it. Daniel Radcliffe produced it. He's also in it sometime. In it. 
obviously archive footage, but also in it, like present day. It's a phenomenal documentary. It's a shame that that was, uh, you know, that was kind of snubbed as well. So those are my kind of quick thoughts, you know, at the, at the reading the nominations last week. And, you know, agree, don't agree. Uh, trust me, I understand. It's, but I was, this year I was kind of like, I got a lot to say this. And luckily we have the podcast now. So I'm like, you know what? I got you. So that's, we had the podcast last year, podcast last year too. But, you know, we don't kind of didn't discuss it as much last year. We weren't as, we're still kind of finding our footing uh, time last year. But, you know, that's how I see it. But let's go over some of the nominations again uh, real quick. So, again, actor leading role, Bradley Cooper, Maestro, Coleman Domingo, who I love, Rustin, Paul Giamatti, who I just adore so much. Uh, holdovers, uh, Killian Murphy, Oppenheimer, uh, who, again, who's great. Jeffrey Wright, who's also a big fan of his well American fiction. Her, he's a phenomenal American fiction. Out of all those, I would give it for Paul Giamatti. I I love Killian Murphy. I thought he was crazy Oppenheimer, but what Paul Giamatti has done his career, also the, the performance in Holdovers is something very, very special. It's it's heartwarming. You, you feel for this guy at times. Uh, again, I think Killian might win, but I would love to see Paul Giamatti win it because I think he's just a phenomenal actor. I thought he was I thought he was phenomenal in the Holdovers. Yeah, let's see what's next. I'm not gonna go over all of them. Let's go over the ones that I think are the major ones. Okay, actor in supporting role. Let's see. Here we go. Julian K. Brown, phenomenal actor. He's great in American fiction. Let's gotta watch it. De Niro, again. De Niro, who's made some pretty crappy movies the past couple of years. I'm glad to see him in an actual good movie. I thought he was definitely better than DiCaprio, but not as good as Lee Gladstone. So, yeah, I see it. Uh, Downey Jr. Love. Watched, well, has watched this guy almost all my life. Uh, he's phenomenal, Oppenheimer. He really is is this his performance in this is very riveting. Uh, so he probably will win. Ryan Gosling, who I adore, who I love, my second favorite actor, right behind um, Bradley Cooper. He's phenomenal in Ken and Barbie. Probably and also Mark Ruffalo. Poor things. Look forward to seeing that. But again, Mark Ruffalo is pretty good in a lot of stuff too. But. We'll see when I we'll see we'll see when I see that movie, but I, I will probably go with Downey Jr. because I thought he was gay as him and as Strauss and Oppenheimer is just it's a hell of a performance. When I saw it back in July at the screening, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is his Oscar year. And I, I love Ryan Gosling, love him as Ken, but Downey Jr. has this in the bag for sure. Next up, we have an actress in a leading role. Annette Benning, which I heard everyone, people were saying, huh? Like, for Naya, people were like, what? Lily Gladstone but Kills of Flower Moon. I think she has this in the bag. I thought she was phenomenal in Kills of, Kills of, Kills of Flower Moon, not being familiar with her as an actress before. I thought she really is the heart and soul of that movie. Uh, Sandra, probably what's her last name, Hurler, uh, Hewler, uh, Anatomy, of a, Anatomy, of a, Anatomy of a Fall. I haven't seen the movie yet. But if I, if I watch it or when I watch it, we'll see. But from what I've heard, it doesn't seem like my kind of movie. But I'll give it a chance. Carrie Mulgan, phenomenal actress. Hershey's great maestro. Looking forward to seeing that. And then Emma Stone, who I absolutely adore and love as well. Uh, looking forward to seeing her in Poor Things. So I'll definitely talk more about when I see that movie. All right, so actress in a supporting role. Let's see. Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, as you just heard. I thought it should have been Pike for, for Saltburn, but I digress. Daniel Brooks, The Color Purple. Missed this out when I saw it came to theaters. It was a really short release. You know, I went to go see it maybe a week or two after it came out. It was already gone in my local theater. So I was like, that sucks. So I hope I can see it before uh, the, the Academy Awards. 
Becca Ferrara, who I thought was really remark, really great in Barbie. I think like I said I thought she was definitely was had better performance than Margot in the movie. Uh, so I'm glad she got that performance. Uh, Jodie Foster, Nyad, haven't seen the movie. Jodie Foster, great actress, obviously great filmmaker, haven't seen it. But the one who has my vote, who I would love to see win, is Devine Joy Randolph. Uh, if for the holdovers, I when I saw the holdovers back in October. I said, oh my goodness, this is a hell of a performance. I remember seeing her at Office Christmas Party, Office Christmas Party, the show called The Idol, which was a terrible show. I thought she was the best part of that show uh, next to the music. She is remarkable in The Holdovers. She has so much heart. She has so much layers to that movie. Um, I think she's going to win this and I'm going to be so happy when she does because it's, it's just a, it's just a beautiful performance from an actor and she does a phenomenal job and seeing the holder was now twice. She just, oh, just, she offers so much. She gives so much in her performance and it's truly one of the best performances I've seen in maybe the past decade and she's, she's phenomenal. So I'm rooting for her and I hope she wins. And there goes my browser okay here we go let's see uh feature film i was like animated feature film let's see the boy in the haran i haven't seen that elemental i haven't seen it nimona i haven't seen it robot dreams spider-man across the spider-verse you know i was surprised at the golden globe that the boy in the haran won because i thought spider-man across the spider-verse had this in the bag given the gorgeous gorgeous animation of that movie and the artistry and the craftsmanship of that of those movies and the first one being an oscar winner i would love to see spider-man win again uh i think i, I like the way more than the first one was also in my top 10 i love uh phil lord and chris, phil lord and chris miller but I, for some reason this boy in the haram by studio ghibli kind of came out of nowhere at the last minute and now it seems to be winning all the awards so i think the boy in the haram would win will probably will win but i would love to see spider-man across spider-verse win because of just the animation and also just me being a major spider-man fan that would just make me happy again but yeah we'll see all right cinematography which i'm again thanks to roger deakins and denis villanova and blader in 2049 i i love some i i watch i pay attention to cinematography more than i ever have oh see um el conde by edward lechman i heard of it kills of the flower moon rodrigo prieto who also shot barbie Maestro, Matthew Lubatique, who shot the hell out of Star is Born. Oppenheimer, Hoyt van Hoytema, who from Interstellar, Tenet, uh, Dunkirk, Nope. Phenomenal cinematography, phenomenal DP. And then Poor Things, Robbie Ryan. I'm going to give it to Hoyt van Hoytema, because I think he has transcended cinematography as well as using the IMAX cameras. He has been a huge innovator for IMAX and shooting IMAX and all those movies that I've seen him shoot. Even Ed Astra, he's he shot the hell out of Ed Astra. But from Nope, Tenet, all those movies he's done with Chris Nolan, I think is going to be his year. So I hope to see um, him get an Oscar, no, Oscar win for Oppenheimer because he, he shot the hell out of that movie. All right, cinematography. Which one we do next? As you hear my, you know, you hear my little rant about Greta Gerwig not getting nominated for Best Director. Again, it's not going to be a fall. Justine Triette, Kills, Kills of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese, Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan, Poor Thing, Yorgos Lanthimos, and Zone of Interest, Jonathan Glazer. 
I'm giving this Christopher Nolan. I think he should have won for either Inception or no, he should have won for Dark Knight, 100%. But that movie also, just at the time, was not looked and not getting Best Picture nomination. It's a whole thing. But I think that this is definitely the, I think he, although it's not my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, I would put Interstellar and Dark Knight and Tenet over that. He directed the hell out of Oppenheimer. It is a masterclass in directing and filmmaking. And no one can take that away from him. No one can no one can disagree with that. And I think that this is his year that he's not gonna get it. That he will sorry, that he will that he will get it because just of the craftsmanship and the fact that a biopic about a dialogue heavy atomic bomb Oppenheimer movie almost grossed nearly grossed a billion dollars. Kinda shows that this dude knows what he's doing on the top of his game right now despite doing one of the best trilogies of all time with the Dark Knight trilogy or a phenomenal movie like Interstellar or mind-bending like uh, Inception or World War II biopic, uh, intense biopic of Dunkirk and obviously Tenet, which I think is very misunderstood. Also, please see Tenet and IMAX. If you, if you IMAX near you, they're doing a reissue of that. Go see it. If you missed it, if you missed out on it when it came out during COVID, go see it. See an IMAX. It's awesome. It, it's worth the, worth the price of admission. So I would definitely think Oppenheimer will definitely definitely win, and then Chris Nolan will get his first uh, Oscar um, Oscar win as a director, and again rightfully so. All right, what's we directing? Is that already? I'll probably do. Let's see, I'll do a few more. So film editing. Not even not even a fall. Haven't seen it. Lawrence Shinhal. Haven't seen it. Holdovers. Kevin Tent. Uh, Kills of the Flower Moon. I'm butchering his probably his name. Thelma. Uh, Shoemaker. Uh, Oppenheimer, Jennifer Lane, and Poor Things, Yorgos, Marvos Priest, probably put your name too. I would probably give it a, either Holdovers or Oppenheimer, personally. Both really great editing. I, I can see Oppenheimer take it, but if Holdovers wins the editing, I'll be very happy as well. Alright, so let's see what went next. I'm trying to think. Let's see. Music original score. We okay, score. I was very intrigued by too. Um, I I think I was very surprised that Daniel Pemberton didn't get anything for Spider Verse. That was wrestled with a bit of a snub. American Fiction. Laura Cartman. Indiana Jones. Battle Destiny, which I thought was eh, fine. John Williams. Yeah, John Williams is one of the goats. Obviously, one of the legends. Robbie Robertson, Kills of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Ludwig Hornsen, and then Poor Things, uh, Jerskin Fendrix. Um, I'm giving this to Ludwig. I think Ludwig won uh, for Black. He won Black for Black Panther, rightfully so. It was a tremendous score. He's seeing this guy's transition too from producing albums uh, for uh, uh, Charles Gambino, Donald Glover. Uh, I mean, and then from Community to Black Panther to Creed to Fruitville Station now to Tenet and Oppenheimer. The score is awesome. The score is it stuck, stuck ticks with you, uh, and I, I I think that he's also again evolved a lot as a as a as a composer from like I said from those movies to being a producer on Charles Gambino's albums to sitcoms to uh, to now Oppenheimer. Um, um, it's. It's again. I think that the score really does really pairs well with the movie, and I think that it adds a lot to the character Oppenheimer. So yeah, I'm giving that to Ludwig Göransson. Ludwig Göransson. 
Alrighty. Alright, music original song. I'm see The Fire Inside from Flame and Hot. Never saw that. Uh, I'm just Ken from Barbie. Never never went away. From American Sympathy Symphony Symphony. Jeez, can't speak today. Uh, song for my people by Kills of the Flower Moon. And what I was made for from Barbie by Billie Eilish and Phineas. Yep, Billie Eilish. She uh, that song spoke a lot this summer. You heard it everywhere. Billie Eilish is a phenomenal singer, and uh, she has won a lot of the awards for best original song. I th- and she also won for no time, no time to Die back a couple years ago. Yep, talking so this to Billie Eilish and Phineas for what I was made for for Barbie. So, yep. Okay, so be- so best special goal less production design. Barbie, Kills of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, Poor Things. Uh, I would give this to Barbie. Barbie's production design is out of this world. Uh, all the sets they had to build and this the just a lot of the practical stuff too was very very remarkable. Uh, yeah, I, I go to Barbie in a heartbeat. I th- says in my review, so I thought Barbie was the production design was out of this world. So definitely hope to see that win. All right, let's see. Visual effects, let's see. The Crater, that was probably nerdy. The Crater, Godzilla minus, minus one, Guardians three, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Napoleon, Crater. The Crater looked phenomenal. Love that movie. That was in my top 10, really proudly in my top 10. Movie that was underappreciated when it came out. It's sad that original filmmaking is dying, including that movie, but the VFX on that is also out of this world. Literally out of this world because the AI, the the practical with visual effects were just blended so so well together. I hope that wins at least something because that movie is very was misun- was came out. No one saw it, and if you watch it on Hulu, watch it. It is awesome. It's a phenomenal science fiction movie. All right, so see, writing adaptive screenplay. This is gonna be tough. So yeah, American Fiction by Cora Jefferson. Barbie about Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach. I love Greta Gerwig. Noah Baumbach to me, I'm not a fan of. I think his writing is very dull and very bland, if you ask me. But again, hot take. Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan. He's the best book. Poor Things by Tony McNamara, who wrote the hell out of Cruella. Great writer. Uh, Zone of Interest by Jonathan Glazer. This is tough. For some reason, I'm, I'm going to... I would... I would like to see it either win... For either Barbie or Oppenheimer, so I can give you a definite answer. But I think Poor Things might win just because of because Poor Things seems to be like the screen screenplay. Everyone loves the script and stuff like that. So my choice would be a tie between Barbie and Oppenheimer. But I think Poor Things might win. So we'll see when it on Oscar night. Original screen original screenplay. Oh man, I mean, Nightmare of a Fall by Justine Tourette and Arthur Harari. Yeah, probably butchering these last names. The Holdovers by David Hemmingson, which I would love to see uh, Holdovers win. Maestro by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer. I haven't seen it, but can't wait to see it. May December, May December by Sammy Birch. Story by Sammy Birch and Alex Machanik. And then Past Lives by Celine Song, which I heard also was amazing. May December, I think I fell asleep and I've gone back to it yet. I probably should. Uh, again, can we see Maestro? Looking forward to seeing Past Lives. Uh, probably will watch Enemy of the Fall now. Uh, who knows? I would love to see the Holdovers win. I would love to see the Holdovers win. Uh, 
holdovers would be phenomenal. That script is so sharp and so witty and so it's so lovable. But I think it's won all the awards, so I think Anatomy of a Fall is going to win Best Original Screenplay, but I would love to see the holdovers win. Oh, that would make me so happy, but I don't see it happening. But all right, here we go. Last one, Best Picture. American Fiction, as we said, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, is a little re- recap, The Holdovers, uh, Kills of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. I would love to see The Holdovers win. I would, oh, I would make me so happy that movie won. That movie deserves everything. Uh, but I think it's going to be uh, Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer, the way that movie just transcended audiences, the way it just the way it kind of held its own against Barbie when they came out. I think everyone's saying how this movie is just massively directed, acted, cinematography, set design, score, everything. It's it's literally one of the rare biopics that just kind of just that kind of kind of kind of just like it transcends why we go to the movies and the importance of historical um, biopics and dramas. So I again love to see Holdovers win as my second favorite movie of the year or third favorite movie of the year. I think it was two. Two or three, uh, one of the, one of the, one of them, uh, but I think Oppenheimer might be getting in. And you know what? I would be cool with that too. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be surprised. We have a huge kind of surprise uh, this year. But again, holdovers are my choice. But I would probably say Oppenheimer would probably win Best Picture. So yeah, guys, that is my little recap of the Oscars and kind of just my little thoughts and rants and r- rumbling. So hope you enjoy that. Uh, I'll talk about it a bit, a bit more, you know, come close to the Oscar itself with the guys on the main podcast, the main show of the podcast. But yeah, yeah, we'll 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 see, we'll see. But again, like I said, I'm, I'm I am looking forward to uh, seeing what happens this year. Hopefully, anything crazy, any more slaps, or <laughs> you know, who knows. Uh, but yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, this first episode of the producers playbook, uh, playbill, not playbook, playbill. I have a lot more in store for those. For, of these for you all so be tuned make sure you have not- notifications on on spotify apple youtube amazon um so look out for that and like i said we have a lot to discuss this february so tune out for all our episodes our reactions our reviews and as always guys we will see you at the movies